Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the spring and summer, we're going to be doing a sermon series called Through a Mirror Darkly. The idea behind this series is that we will look at various themes that are universal to the human experience. Each week, we will take a different theme and examine a single or several different stories from the Facebook blog, Humans of New York. I hope you enjoy. Our first reading is from Proverbs, the 10th chapter, verses 8 through 12. The wise of heart will heed commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever follows perverse ways will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but the one who rebukes boldly makes peace. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. So our second scripture reading today comes from John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Well, I want to say thank you again for everybody who's coming, in particular if you're a visitor coming to be with us today on this particular Sunday. Uh, I'm so glad that you could be here with us. And throughout uh, this summer, we have been doing a sermon series called Through a Mirror Darkly. And the concept behind this series is that we're looking at themes that are universal to the human experience. And the way that we've done this is that we have been exploring stories from the Facebook blog, Humans of New York. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the congregation is now because they've been hearing it for the last eight weeks or so. And so each week we take these stories, you're gonna see them up on the screen, you'll see the photo that was taken in, you'll hear the interview that's narrated by members of our congregation. And the goal is that once we hear those interviews, we're gonna dive into those stories. Some of them will be familiar, some of them will be very different from your experiences, like looking through a mirror darkly. But the hope is that through these experiences, we can come to a deeper understanding of how we are supposed to live our lives as Christians. And so I wanna turn to our stories for today. My last wife was 47 years older than me. 47 years? Yep. We met when she was 80 and I was 33. She came to the nursing home where I worked 
and every day she would spend six hours with her dying husband. I said to myself, if she ever loves me like that, I'll be okay. We married a couple of years later and stayed together until she died at the age of 96. If I had any money, I'd make a movie about it. We talked about it four or five times and our family certainly pushed for it. But we decided early on that we didn't want to have kids. There was too much we wanted to do. Since then, we formed our own company, made over 40 films together, worked in 60 different countries, and written 18 books, 11 of them cookbooks, some of them bestsellers. When my husband was dying, I said, Mo, how am I supposed to live without you? He told me, take the love you have for me and spread it around. I don't want to say I was depressed, but my life has been pretty humdrum for the past 18 years. Every day I'd wake up, eat breakfast, go to church, go back home. Always the same thing. But now I've met this woman and suddenly I feel young again. I can't concentrate. All I want to do is be with her. I used to eat whenever I wanted, but now I can get by on just a banana. I'm even trying to improve myself. I'm doing push-ups in the morning. Can you believe that? Four herniated discs in my back, and I'm doing push-ups every morning. I wandered into the lobby of a nursing home on the Upper West Side and discovered this man who was on his way to deliver a yellow bear to his wife. I visit her every day. Even when the mind is gone, the heart shows through. I've been having nerve issues, and this past year it's gotten so bad that it hurts too much for me to walk. It was completely unexpected. I've always been such an optimistic person, but now I'm fighting with depression. He's doing everything he can to take my mind off of it. We're not sure if I'm going to get better, but he's planning a backpacking tour through Europe for when I do. And I told him that I didn't think I could handle a visit to New York right now, but he told me that he'd push me around the whole city. And he has. And whenever I feel particularly down, he tells me that he's not going anywhere. And how happy he is that he married me. Not long ago, I had a particularly rough period. And when I was at one of my lowest moments, he asked if we could renew our vows. She has such a deep joy for life. She's the one that taught me that no matter what happens, we'll be just fine. I've always been so serious and ambitious, but I haven't always been able to live up to my own standards. I wanted to get into a top-tier law school, but that didn't happen. I went to a fourth-tier law school instead. Then after I graduated, I kept failing to get the job I wanted. But after each setback, she always gave me the sense that no matter what happened, we'd be just fine. She taught me that early on. So when her health problems started, I knew that even if she's never able to walk again, we'll be just fine. Now I think we can say that Love is probably one of the most important things that we have as human beings. Would you agree with that? Yes. And love comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, and even ages, as we uh, discovered with this man right here, right? Now, do you remember what he said? He married a woman who was 47 years his senior. 
Now, the thought that generally goes through our mind is, what does a 33-year-old and an 80-year-old have in common, right? I mean, that's what goes through our mind. And the thing that comes to my mind is money, right? That's what goes through my mind. But he comes to the end of it and he says, actually, he didn't have any money, right? He wishes he could make a story. So clearly, he fell in love with this woman because he saw how caring she was. And they found a bond over that. Love comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. This couple right here, they talked about having children. And for a long time, they tried to figure out where they're going to. And I bring this up because, not that I regret having my own children, I don't feel that way, right? But they felt this pressure, and there is this pressure, I think, when you get married to have children, and sometimes they just want to be together. That's what a couple wants to do, right? And so they made a decision. We're going to do things on our own. And so they go out, and they make their own film company. They create 40 films. They travel to 60 countries. They write 18 books. Some of them are bestsellers. They lived life their way, and they were better for it. And I think that that's something that is really, really interesting about these stories, is how love has this ability to bind us together. Isn't that something that you saw in these stories, right? That love has this ability to form this connection with each other. Like, we can form a connection with another person that's so strong that it can't be broken. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about where does that kind of love come from? How do we form a bond so strong that it cannot be broken? Now, to begin this, I'd actually like to start by talking about that word love for a moment. So in the Greek language, there are some 30 words to describe love in all its various forms and permutations. And the reason why the Greeks had 30 words to describe love is because they understood that human beings experience love in profoundly different ways. But in English, we got this one word, right? One word, love. And then when we're trying to explain it, we're using all these words around it, and we can never quite get at it. So for the next hour and a half, I'm going to tell you about these 30 different words, love. (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you about four. Four of them. The ones that are found in the New Testament. So in the New Testament, there are four primary words. The first word for love is storge and that is familial love, the love between family members. The second type of love that you're going to find in there is philia, which is friendship love, the love between friends. The third is eros, which is romantic love between partners. And the fourth is agape, or unconditional love. And in the New Testament, that is referred to as God love. Now, each of these Greek words, they give a different gloss to that English word love. It gives a deeper dimension to that word love that we use. And this concept that love is this multi-dimensional, multi-layered idea is something that is sorely missing from our culture. Because in our culture, in American culture, love is primarily defined by eros. Is it not? That is how most people in American culture think about love. Now, you want to know something very fascinating? The Greeks actually were very wary of eros love they thought it was dangerous because it could consume you. It could take you over. It could make you crazy. And yet in our culture, the only type of love that's worth having is a love where you're head over heels for somebody. Now, when eros is your only definition of what love should be, 
then it changes the game for how you think about love. So eros is temporary. It doesn't last, in, it doesn't last indefinitely. And so when eros fades over time, which it inevitably will, we start to question, well, am I in love anymore? And so rather than transition into these other layers of love, like the, what we're talking about right here, what happens is people begin to question, they begin to think, well, did I make a mistake? Should I have been with this person? Should I have taken the time to be with him? Is there somebody else out there who can keep that eros alive indefinitely for me? And so you get rid of that person and you find somebody else, but of course, that eros isn't going to last forever. And so, because this is the way we tend to think of love in our culture, I think it has changed our concept of a loving relationship to be about what this person can do for me. I love you as long as you make me happy. And the moment you stop making me happy, well, I guess we're not in love anymore. But that's not what love is all about, is it? Love is about two people who are mutually invested in the other person. Love is about you giving everything to that other person and that other person giving everything to you. The beauty of true love, when you have it, is that when two people are willing to give everything they have to that other person, then your needs are always going to be met and you're always going to feel fulfilled. So when two people, when they are fully invested, when they see love fundamentally as an act of giving, then those two people are going to find joy in their love. Now, there is a dark side to that, though. And the dark side, the tough side to loving like that, is that it's risky. When you put your heart out there, you are putting yourself at risk. You are putting yourself in a position where you could be hurt because you're making yourself vulnerable. When you love somebody, you're putting yourself in a position where they can cause you pain. But what's interesting is that love, when you think about it as risk, is one of the greatest risks that we will ever take in our lives. And the question that I want to focus on for now is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to take that risk? And so, I want to get into that concept through the scripture that we read this morning in John chapter 21. So, let me give you a little bit of background on what's going on. John chapter 21, I know you all know it, right? Everybody's got it down, right? All right, John 21, it's the last chapter in the Gospel of John. It's post-resurrection, meaning Jesus has died, he's come back, and they're eating breakfast on the shore. They're out there and they're eating away, right? They're eating their fish, their sardines. And Jesus asks a question of Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Now, you got to remember, this is actually a really, really probing question. It's not just a, hey, do you love me? Yeah, no, no, I love you. No, think about it. Jesus' trial and his crucifixion. What did Peter do? Was Peter like, I'm with you all the way? No, he wasn't. He abandoned Jesus, right? So, when Jesus asked him the question, he goes, Peter, do you love me? And the word that he uses for love in the Greek is agape. Now, that's that unconditional God love. So what he's asking is he's saying, do you love me unconditionally in the same way that God unconditionally loves you? Now, the answer to that, of course, is no. Because if he did, he wouldn't have abandoned Jesus in his greatest hour of need. And what's interesting is Peter kind of owns up to this. Because when he responds to Jesus, he says, yes, 
Lord, you know that I love you. Now, the word for love that Jesus uses, or that Peter uses in this, is philia. That's that friendship love, right, that we were talking about. So Jesus is saying, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, yeah, I love you, you know, like a friend. Eh, no, no, nothing. So, he kind of calls a spade a spade, does he not? I mean, that's what he does. Because, do you all love your friends? Sure you do. Is that deep and intimate, the love you have for your friendships? Right, the friends you have? I mean, it is, but is it unconditional? Not necessarily, right? I mean, there's a difference. You can love your friends deeply, but it's not necessarily unconditional. But Jesus, he says something interesting earlier on in the gospel. This is what he says. He says, there's no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, when Jesus says this, he's redefining love of friends. What he's saying is that if you truly love somebody, if somebody is truly a friend to you, you're going to give your life for them. Now, how many of you would give your life for your friends? Ooh, that's a little harder, right? It's not as easy, is it? But this is how Jesus is saying it. He's laying it out there. So when you look at what Jesus is asking Peter through this lens, what he's saying is, I'm willing to give my life for you. I love you so much, Peter, that I'm willing to give my life for you. Do you love me so much that you're willing to give your life for me? And what's interesting is that Peter says no. He never uses the word Agape. In every single one of those, he uses the word philia every single time. And so he's not all in. He's not willing to go all the way. Why? Because love is dangerous. Love means you have to be willing to give everything. And when you do that, you put yourself at major risk. And we see this in some of the stories from Humans of New York. So let's go to the most poignant of these examples. This is the young couple right here, right? This young couple, they're in their 30s, and she's suffering from nerve issues. Now, you have to imagine that neither of these two thought that they would ever be in this position when they got married, right? When they said through sickness and in health, they probably imagined what? They had many, many years of health ahead before they have to deal with the sickness. But then something happens. An illness comes that's very, very unexpected. And in that situation, now they're having to look at not only the fact that she can't walk, but probably the fact that she's going to live a much shorter life than either of them ever expected. And because of this, he has to deal with a lot of pain at the other end of it. I mean, we know, right, in this situation, that when she dies, he's going to be dealing with a lot of pain. True? True. And yet, He is willing to love her unconditionally. He is focused on that. And I find this to be amazing because I've seen, as a pastor, you see people who get into these positions all the time, and there's two ways it can go. One way is that you see people who focus on the negative. The person's going to be gone. They're going to be gone, right? They're going to die soon. And then you see the other way. And the other way is when a person focuses totally and completely on trying to be there for that person. They focus totally and completely on loving that person and they set it all aside. Now, we know that this guy is gonna face great pain. Why do we know that to be true? 
We know that to be true because we're outside of it, aren't we? Are we objective observers of their situation? Yes, and we can look at that with our logical, rational brains and we can say, oh man, that's going to be rough, right? And I think many people, if they had a crystal ball and they could see the pain that might come as a result of love, they might opt out completely. They might choose a completely different path. But thankfully, there is nothing rational about love. Love is about being in the moment. Love is about taking the time to form a connection with another person. Love is about looking at somebody, forming that bond, and feeling so close to them that all of your risk assessments become irrelevant. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think many of you in here do. If you've experienced love, you know what I'm talking about. You love somebody no matter what, no matter what the pain that might come. You do that because you love them and you're willing to take that chance. Is that true? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And some of you in here, you've lost a spouse, you've lost a partner, you've lost a kid, and you know how hard that can be when you're in that situation. Remember this woman right here? She says to her husband, Mo, when he's dying, Mo, how am I ever going to live without you? Now, when you've been with somebody for that long, when you've lived with them for that long, it can feel like you don't know how to go on anymore. It feels like you don't know what you're going to do to be able to survive in that situation. But I love what he says to her. He says, take your love from me and spread it around. Now, easier said than done, is it not? Because when you have lost somebody who you love that much, it can feel like you never have the ability to spread it around again. And that's like this man right here. This man, his wife died 18 years ago. He's in this semi-depressed state. He feels like he's had his heart ripped out. But then he meets somebody, doesn't he? And I love it. This is like my favorite one of all these stories. So he's got butterflies in his stomach. He can't eat. Right? He's doing push-ups and he's got four herniated discs in his back, right? Like, I think that's just fantastic. Now, by doing that, he's taking a risk, isn't he? He's taking a risk. By getting into this relationship and loving this woman, he is risking the fact that he could experience that pain all over again. But is he willing to do it? Is he willing to take that risk? Absolutely he is. Because, here's the thing, when you love somebody that much, the risk is always worthwhile because love is what makes life worth living for human beings. It's true. It's what makes life worth living. So much so that we are willing to set aside the prospect of pain and suffering that could come along with love. We're willing to set that aside because it's bearable for us, because the love makes it worthwhile. And you can see this with this man who comes to visit his wife in a memory care facility. Now this is a woman who he's loved for a long, long time, but she has no idea who he is. And I love his quote. His quote is so beautiful to me. When he says, even when the mind is gone, the heart shows through. Isn't that profound? I mean, this man, he loves his wife so much that even though she doesn't recognize him, he still goes to see her because her heart shines through. And I think that the wonderful thing about that is that it shows us that he feels so whole as a result of her love that he wants to experience that in some form or another every single day. Now, that type of love is rare, but it does exist. And it brings me back to that question I posed early on 
Where does that kind of love come from? And in my experience, I believe when we're talking about this kind of love, and this is what? Unconditional love? Would you say so? Yes. All right. That kind of love, if the Greeks are to be believed, comes from God. And so whenever I see two people who feel this way about each other, I believe the source of that comes from God because what I have found to be true in my life is that humans are not naturally inclined towards unconditional love. I do believe that we are inclined towards love. There's no doubt about that. But unconditional love, love without barriers, love without limits, eh, not as much. We do put parameters. We put conditions around our love. I know that was true for me for a long time. You know, when it came to me wanting to love somebody, I wasn't just going to take anybody. You had to be a certain kind of person. You had to think a certain kind of way. You had to act a certain kind of way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt that way before? Now, I will tell you that my first interaction with unconditional love actually didn't come from a person. My first interaction with unconditional love actually came from my faith in God. It was because of God that I actually understood what that was in my life. And it's because of that that I was able to love my wife unconditionally, that I'm able to love my children unconditionally, that I'm able to love you all unconditionally. I think had I not been through that before, that I would be more like Peter. I'd be guarded with my love. I'd say, Philia love is great. We can be friends, right? But loving unconditionally, that wasn't going to be me. But I had that experience, and it totally changed the way I thought about love. Jesus taught me that I had to be vulnerable with my love. Jesus taught me what we read in Proverbs, that love covers all offenses. Have you found that to be true, that love can cover all offenses? When I first experienced unconditional love, it's what made me want to become a pastor because I knew that I had tapped into something that people spend their entire lives looking for. And I wanted to share that with people. And so I'm going to let you in on a little secret today. And here's the secret. Do you want unconditional love in your life? I assume most people do. If you want it in your life, then what you have to do is you have to allow God to open your heart to be vulnerable. Because the more vulnerable you are, the more you can experience that unconditional love. Because if you allow God to open your heart, then not only can you take unconditional love, but you can give it. And here's the thing, the wider that door is, the more you can experience it. Are you gonna get hurt? Oh, absolutely you will. Are you gonna feel pain? Absolutely you will. But it's worth it. Because if you open your heart and you allow people to love you unconditionally and you can give that back, it makes everything worthwhile. And so here's how I wanna to end today for you. I want to end by saying that I hope that you will love with your whole heart unconditionally. I hope that you will be brave enough to open yourself so that you love without limits. Take down those barriers. Take down all of the things that you build up to keep people at a distance. Don't allow your fear of the unknown to prevent you from experiencing all of the possibilities that love can bring into your life. Yes. You're going to get hurt. Yes, you're going to experience pain, but it's always worth the risk. Open yourself up. Welcome those in who you've kept at a distance. Allow them into your life. Invest in them. Show them your love, your family, your friends, even strangers. Because here's what I believe to be true. If God is willing to take a risk on us and love us unconditionally, shouldn't we be willing to do the same? Amen.
Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.